Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. You guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, which always needs challenging. And we are definitely going to need to learn to think some biblically today. Uh, boy, is this story a bit of a doozy. So anyway, uh, hope you guys are doing well this evening. Uh, no, sorry, Brian and I did not do our normal Monday night live stream. Uh, he's got things going on. I was uh, doing things as well. I was... Um, preaching and teaching at a Christian school uh, a couple hours away. So I just knew I wasn't going to be able to make the stream. So uh, for that, guys, I apologize, but do not worry uh, because I had youth group tonight. And after our student ministry, I decided to come up here and talk to you guys because I really, really felt like I needed to talk about this story. And the, I not only that, and oddly enough, by the way, I, I've been asked and requested to talk about the He Gets Us ad uh, from the Super Bowl. And I was going to do that this week until I saw this story. And I feel like this story is a bit more boring than He Gets Us. I might cover He Gets Us next week, maybe. Or it might just go off into the ether and the unknown. I don't know. I, sh I want to cover it. But at the same time, you know, uh, last week and this week are slammed. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see how it all turns out. And since we're past like... By next week, we're going to be past the two weeks from uh, the Super Bowl and all that. And like, if you guys know anything about the algorithm, most people don't care after the first two weeks because they've gotten their fill of it. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be worth the effort because if no one's going to enjoy it, then why even do it? But anyway, with that said, um, I got a crazy story for you guys, and I want to credit uh nathaniel beasley here who's the one who not only did i see call this out but he's the one who fed me a lot of the information and got me a lot more on the inside scoop to be able to cover this and he's saying believe you me it happens often when he talked about this is this accusing of women uh for their dress uh for their sexual assault now if you hear me use the term uh grape instead of the R-A-P-E, it's because the YouTube algorithm doesn't like to say R-A-P-E. So I might call it sexual assault, S-A, or grape throughout this video. And that is for that purpose because YouTube censorship is ridiculous. So, um, but anyway, so enough of all that nonsense, but we really, the reason why I want to talk about this, not only because of this is actually crazy. Like when you hear this, you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is nuts. But also because I feel like the only people now that I've looked it up that I've seen cover this are mostly progressive people. So we're dealing with like, uh, of course, leftists are using this story to slam the church, to slam the gospel of Jesus Christ, to put down the kingdom of God. And I think that is a big problem. And my big thing is that things that could split churches that I think is a problem because I want unity in our churches. And I think the only way you can do that is when you call out sin and you call out bad ideology. And by bad ideology, I don't mean ideology I disagree with. I mean, literally ideology that pits everyone against each other. I think, of course, unity and diversity is necessary. I think diversity of thought is a strong thing, that there's a lot of different opinions in Christianity, even though many people know that we've been pounding the Calvinist drum for a while. But even then, we look at the Calvinists as brothers, and we've worked with them before, even though we are ourselves are not Calvinists, we're critical of Calvinism. So my point here is that I believe in unity and diversity of thought amongst that which would be Orthodox Christianity, or that which has existed in the last 2000 years of the church, uh, that's consistent with the teachings of the early church and all that stuff. So these are things I'm passionate about. But then when you have a pastor who comes along and says some of the things that this guy says, well, that causes us a lot more problems. So, um, and, uh, 
Yeah, I will be uh, covering that as well, Jordan, at Not a Tame Sheep. Um, so anyway, I'm going to talk about all of this, but there is some serious issues here in general. So let's go ahead. I feel like we should jump in. So this was from a pastor um, over in North Carolina, and you will see this. There's a public letter that looks like it's been issued um, after this statement. And this statement, from what I understand, was made like in August last year, and now it's made its rounds because sometimes the internet is a bit behind. So, um, and I think Roddy puts this really well as far as why I have to, I call this stuff out. He says, yes, we as Christians can't give the adversary ammunition to attack us and then whine about being persecuted. I think Peter covered that. Uh, yes. So this is actually, the other thing is, is when this idea of abuse and excusing sexual assaults and all these other things come up, I see a lot of uh, like the Preacher Boys podcast covers this a lot or cultish might. Um, but there's a lot of podcasts, TikTok atheists, people of that nature who will use this story and weaponize it against the church. Preacher Boys, of course, used to be a Christian. And because of these abuse stories, Eric Skorzynski, of course, left the faith. Um, and, you know, that, now there's like some tension between our platforms because we called it out. And honestly, I stand by every word we still said. But when I know that these other platforms are going to weaponize this against us, uh, I feel like we as Christians need to stand at the gap and say when things are not okay, even on our end, even when it's embarrassing for people within the kingdom. You know, that's it's important for us to do that. And, you know, I'd expect other people to do the same for me if I'm living hypocritically, if I say something ridiculous. That's why whenever I disagree with myself on here, I'll, we'll, we've done debunk videos like we're going to debunk Will and because I've said things that were incorrect before. And that's OK. But uh, with that said, I feel like we should probably move on past all the introductory nonsense and just jump into it at this point. Um, I, the reason I was kind of talking about it, giving you guys a heads up, just kind of give people time to come and join us in the stream. We're going to go ahead and get rolling. Let's watch this video. The kind of preaching we need. I told my wife, I said, Mama, when you go, when we go to Fish and Forge, uh, to the outlet malls, when you go uptown here, or go up to sit, sit in the parking lot at Outland Mall, I mean the mall here. I said, you watch it. I said, tell them, you'll find more women going to have shorts on than you will with pants and dresses put together. So I sat there, I just want to be sure, but I sat there some time ago for, I don't know who's out in the, I guess it must have been some of the family. Uh, my wife don't, don't go that shopping now. And I sat there in my car. I thought, I'm okay, I want to see if that's right. And I counted, try that. You find more women going those places with shorts than you will women with pants and dresses put together. Try it. If you got time, try it. Have your boy go up there and try it. Just watch for him. Have your girl go up there and watch for him. And you know, uh, I, I used to say this. Now, I haven't said this in a long time. You ready? I said, if, if you dress like that and you get raped and I'm on the jewelry, he's going to go free. You don't like, do you? I'm right, though. I, I can't help you don't like it. I'm right. Because, you know, a man's a man. A, a man's a man. Uh, when I was a boy, 85 years ago, for 80 years ago, uh, I was raised in Martinsville, Virginia, partly known Moxfield, North Carolina. Uh, you, you didn't, you never, 
I don't even remember women wearing anything but dresses back then. Well, anyway, I'm gonna, I, 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 want you, I want you to go home depressed tonight. I'd rather go home encouraged, but I want you to go home wanting to serve God. But uh, it's, it seems that we've paid no it seems like we've paid no attention to God. Isn't that right? And the Bible says sometimes that people think God has delayed his coming. My bad. Apparently I was muted. So <laughs> I muted myself so that way you wouldn't hear me like sneezing and stuff. So let's talk about that. That was the disgusting clip and Roddy put it perfectly by calling it disgusting. Now, no amount of context is going to make that better, right? You can watch the rest of the sermon, but nothing's going to make that better. So let's, let's unpack this for a minute. So First off, there is a point in time when he's like, this is kind of preaching we need. I'm like, dude, uh, like, let's just be, let's just be real here. You can't, uh, wait, can you still not hear me? Wait, can you hear me now? <laughs> can you hear me now? I'm getting different feeds in the live chat. I should be unmuted. I should be good. Right? Yes. I need somebody in the live chat. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. Thank you, Roddy. So this is the always the scary part we're doing lives is that you don't get to go back. All right, cool. So what we're dealing with here, and I've seen this sort of thing before. I saw this preached at things like places like Fairhaven Baptist College, similar things. Uh, uh, you'll see this in similar veins with like Hiles Anderson crowds. Usually you're getting this with a very extreme fundamentalist. Okay. Now, I don't want to say that this is a representative of the entire independent fundamental Baptist group because it's not. But it is prevalent in certain veins of it. And you're going to see this in certain parts of the general fundamentalist crowd, whether it's from Pentecostal holiness to anything from fundamentalist Baptists to other groups as well. So the um, this is not OK. And let me so let's let's talk about it for a minute. So first off, he talks about how when he was a boy, people walked around in dresses and now they are wearing now you will go into a supermarket and you see more women wearing shorts than you will pants and dresses put together now i don't know how that's relevant to the conversation because whether or not women are walking around completely unclad doesn't suddenly justify uh, sexual assault it just doesn't um so with that said we are dealing with some serious issues so the other problem is, and this is the issue uh, kind of as a whole, obviously, which is basically the whole, quote, she was asking for it nonsense, right? So, well, I mean, she dressed that way, so therefore she must, she must be asking for it. This is absolute nonsense because obviously no one is making anyone commit assault. No one is making anyone attack a woman. And... This is exactly the problem with a lot of fundamentalist teachings of men and women and sexuality as a whole, which is that men and women are like men, especially 
apparently and these crowds are such sexual deviants they're such sexual monsters that they have zero self-control that a man can't look at a woman who is you know dress immodestly and can't but help be lustful toward her you know if she's dressed a certain way he can't help but assault her suddenly he loses all free will and nature just takes over and this is kind of the issue with those extreme fundamentalist groups combined with purity culture that men are just sexual deviants and sexual animals. And this is, you know, I was raised with a similar uh, mindset uh, in the fundamentalist churches I was raised in, and it did nothing but cause lots of confusion and damage toward the boys and girls alike, because everyone had a very confused view of sex and sexuality and men and women and how our relationships are supposed to work with one another. This is painting men as animals with no self-control, which is what he said, right? He's like, well, a man is a man. A man is a man, don't you know? A man's a man. Well, so a man is a man and therefore he rapes women in shorts. Like, what is your connection? And that was my favorite part about it, too. He just like states like, oh, yeah, if you are if a woman is sexually assaulted, if a woman is completely assaulted by no, no fault of her own besides what she's wearing, that the guy should just be let go. And then what was his defense? What was his reasoning? Well, a man's a man. Which isn't much of an argument, by the way. You know, I, I can't just assert something is what it is as if that somehow explains or justifies why it is. Why is the thing the thing? Because it's the thing. Don't you know? That's ridiculous. No, that is not even close. Um, yeah, Alex, you put it perfectly. Every Man's Battle, that book is crap. And I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, it really comes down. Well, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to I'm going to write that down because I didn't even think about it. But you reminded me of what of an important point to talk about here. So it paints as men with no self-control and that men are sexual aggressors. And that's all we can ever be, which is a problem because you know what this does? This is the this is the idiocy. And I'm sorry, there, I'm not going to mince words on my thought process here on this particular one. Like, I know I have people get mad at me about my tone sometimes on here in general, but I'm not going to mince words on, on this this one. And I think that many people will stand beside me both on the liberal and conservative side. So bottom line is, though, is that this idiocy and immorality and evil, and that's exactly what this is, actually feeds the liberal progressive atheist lie that we hear continually that men are nothing but sexual aggressors toxic masculinity that christians they just blame women for what they wear because what women wear apparently causes men to do this stuff therefore women men suck women are better and in general we should just cast men out of society and especially christian white males it literally this right here Feeds the progressive leftist lie, congratulations, you're the meme. You're the person that they bring up that the rest of Christians go, none of it, no one says that. And then you get some fringe fundamentalist from the, one of the Carolinas that says it on live TV. And now this is going to be used as a cudgel and a battering ram against Christians from now on. That is one of the, my biggest problems here where I'm like, good job, man. Like you just made us all look stupid. So congratulations on that, I suppose, because apparently we're all about feeding the progressive lie as opposed to correcting the progressive lie and issuing a proper biblical worldview on this. So that was a huge issue for me right then and there. Uh, that, and then on top of that, he goes, I know you guys can shake your head, but, you know, I'm right, though. I'm right, though. That's what he says. But is he? Because actually, in Deuteronomy 22, 
Verses 25, uh, verse 25 says, but if in an open country, a man meets a young woman who is betrothed and a man seizes her, which is to uh, sexually assault her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. Oh, what happens to him? Oh, if on the jury, is he let go according to Pastor Bobby Leonard? No, he's put to death. Now, of course, it goes on and talks about the woman who is a virgin. And we've talked we talked about that in our episodes recently with Christy Burke. So go check those out where we explain the context there. But bottom line is she didn't have to like if she didn't know a man before she didn't have to marry him. But it's an option available to her, blah, 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 blah. OK, we're not going to get into the whole Deuteronomy 22 discussion fully. But this is part this part minces no words that a rapist actually would be put to death. So he's he's actually against the law of God at this point. So God disagrees with Pastor Bobby Leonard. Uh, rapists should not just automatically go free, you know, uh, and especially if he's blaming it on her dress. Well, the way she was wearing those shorts, man, who could say no? I had no choice. Had to do it. Did you know a man is man? It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, how about how about you go? Oh, she's wearing that. What where, what are the fruits of the spirit? I know he knows them because I'm sure he quotes them often uh, to his congregation. If you go to Galatians, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. What, what? self-control? Weird. We are told to control ourselves. In fact, Roddy says right here, we tell our kids to control what they what they drink and eat and their sexual issues, but do absolutely nothing to teach them how to be disciplined or discipline themselves. Exactly. Like I could have said it better. Self-control is right at the one of the biggest points of the Christianity. Sin is waiting at the door, but you must rule over it. That's the point. So, okay, look, maybe you're a man who does struggle with sin. And this isn't to say that like, and I want us to be very clear here. Like, I think God can forgive anybody. I think restoration, we've got, we've caught flack on this channel before because we talked about when to restore somebody, even an abuser. And we've gotten flack on this channel for saying that people can change, people can be restored. And we believe in healing, that God can even heal your broken moral compass. God broke it, break heal your broken nature. He can do that. So if you were an abuser, there's redemption for you there. Those things are still, those still exist. Um, so, but the bottom line is here is that it doesn't mean you let him off the hook when he's guilty, especially when he's unrepentantly guilty and he just committed the crime, right? We're not talking about maybe something that he did 20 years ago when he was young, dumb, evil, and far away from the Lord. And, you know, 20 years later, he's got a family and, you know, he's completely repentant and a completely changed man. We're not even talking about those situations where he that's not what he's talking about here. He's just saying straight up it's a sexual assault and. He committed the crime, so he's guilty. But if she was wearing shorts or in modest clothes, he shouldn't be held accountable. He should be let go. He should be free. That's what he said. So, um, so, and yeah, Joseph, yeah, that's why. So Joseph said this in the live chat. It's like, that's a great point. The IFB, IFB narrative with regard to male sexuality is so similar to that of the left. Exactly. And that is right there. I've said this many times. A lot of the stuff on the left and progressive progressivism is an extreme response to really stupid conservatism. 
I've said that many times. I'm a very, I'm a very conservative person, but there's a lot of really dumb, like the satanic panic of everything. And uh, so a lot of it has been a pendulum swing effect. And I think that's why we see that. I think that's why we see a lot of people in these fundamentalist circles like Pentecostal holiness and whatnot, who become extreme liberals because it's the pendulum swing, right? That's why it ends up happening is that you end up rejecting all this and you accept all that. Not including when you think about it, when you're you have a bunch of kids, we wonder why there's like a lot of sexual abuse that happens with young men or uh, in the IFB or in these fundamentalist circles or why sometimes it's young man on young man, like uh, in teenage years or anything like that. And the reason why is because basically what you're feeding the kids, uh, feeding these young men is you're nothing but a sexual deviant. That's all you are as a man. You have testosterone and testosterone is a sexual aggressor, don't you know? And therefore a man is a man and you're going to act out that way and you can't help it. That's just the way you are. Well, yeah, with that kind of narrative, of course, the young men are going to probably be like, oh, I guess this is just the way it is. It's the way I am. I'm wired this way. I was born this way. I can't change it. And then you're telling young women like that's all the men are. They're just a bunch of sexual deviant monsters. And you're just this dainty, dainty little flower. And don't you know, only skanks and whores uh, really want to have sex if you're a woman. That's all that. The only women that want to do that are skanks and whores. And those men, that's all they want from you. So you have to protect yourself until he's married with you. But then once he's married to you, you have to do what he wants. Then you wonder why you hear these horrible stories in these circles of where these women are sexually taken advantage of. Uh, they're to, like if some guy sexually assaults them, suddenly they're deflowered and now they're not valuable because that's all they value. And th that the, the in the fundamentalist world, sexuality is such a ball of nonsense. Like and then you like stuff purity cultures problems in there, too. And then you just get this area that's ripe for sexual maltreatment, for sexual misunderstandings, for bad sexual ethics, for confused young people. You get, I mean, it's just I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've been around it. I've experienced it. I, I get it all like I, I get it. And this is why this is right right here. So anyway, that's a whole tangent that I was not planning. But Joseph, thank you for making the point for me uh for edit for noticing that and that's why and i honestly think that's why the left talks about this because they know that fundamentalists which by the way is a small vein of christians in the u.s but they're a loud group of christians in the u.s so they're small but they're loud kind of like progressives they're a small group but they're loud um like when you get to the hyper leftists they're really actually not the, as many leftists as growing but there's really not that many leftists in comparison to like general democrats right so but they're just a very loud and violent group i hope that all that makes sense so yeah the fundamentalist way of viewing sexuality is a mess so all this and then let's let's talk about it so we talked about let's see men with no self-control we talked talked about um, feeding the progressive view. We also see that's unbiblical according to the Torah. <clears throat> but also, it says in the Bible that the soul who sins shall die. So in other words, it the, it's unjust to let the guilty just go in the law system, right? Romans 4, Romans, uh, what is it? 12, 13, 13. Um, like, the whole thing about the whole point of the government is to bring the sword, to bring order, to bring structure. And so this actually goes against the Bible there. Like we are to obey the laws of our land and the laws of our land and the laws of God is if he's guilty, there are punishments that fit said crimes for being guilty. So um, and then uh, and as Joseph also said right here. But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman uh, to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Exactly. So 
I mean, you're I mean, you're just lusting after a woman and you're committing adultery. And according to this pastor, well, you can also apparently grape them and suddenly that must be okay. Or it, he could go off scot-free, even though Jesus even sets a higher standard. Just makes zero sense. None of this makes sense. So um Let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit. So then, all this blows up, and now there's been people protesting at the church. Uh, and Nathaniel Beasley, who uh, is either in the comment section or will be eventually, but Nathaniel Beasley, the one who gave me all this, uh, is the and he also issued his own video and statement. I totally recommend checking it out. So um, let's see. Oh, and yeah, and Joseph, you you pointed out perfectly. Yeah. So in Jesus's words here was as to whosoever looks on a woman with lust. He says, who is to blame for Jesus's words in Matthew 5, 28? It's the one who looks, right? It's the one who looks with lust. You're That's the one at fault, not the woman. So if you look at, now, keep in mind, if you, again, if a woman is beautiful and completely unclad, okay, and you still lust after her, that lust is still on you because you did not guard your heart. You did not guard your eyes. You did not have self-control. Instead, you gave in to your base desires of your flesh, right? So you're the one at fault. No, is she at fault for being unclad? Sure, unless you're being Dave, King David and creeping on the rooftop and watching her bathe from a distance and being a peeking Tom about it. Um, but otherwise, it doesn't matter. You're at fault. So that's why it's important that when those things happen, put no evil thing before your eye. And it's not to say that women's bodies are evil, but also don't put things that you're going to lust at in front of your eyes. Or if something's like that and you can't avoid it because it is in front of you, it's all around you. It is what it is. As the situation might be in at the time, then guard your heart and guard your eyes and guard your mind. That's what you have to do. That, and I get it. Sometimes, sometimes it's harder for some people than others, but it's something that you can discipline into your life. Let's say you're a completely undisciplined you know, teenager at the time and you've had to grow, but you can build that up and grow that. These are all things that people can work with spiritual discipline. And it's not just, by the way, and uh, th this passage in Matthew 5 isn't even talking about just men either. Women can look lustfully too. The rules still apply, okay? Uh, it doesn't matter if you're as handsome as Chris Hemsworth or even more handsome than Chris Hemsworth, like myself, uh, you know, to look with less is less. Just, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Oh, it's ridiculous. All right. Now, let's. Uh, so, what happened is that then he issued a letter in, and you'll notice this right here. You can look at the letter. Um, so, dated February 23 of 2024 from Bible Baptist Tabernacle. He says, I want to express my deep regret for the statements made from the pulpit. I am only beginning to understand the hurt and offense caused, and I take full responsibility for my words. As a pastor, I failed to uphold the biblical values of love and compassion. I apologize for the pain caused and commit to learning from making this foolish and sinful statement. Bible Baptist Tabernacle and I unequivocally stand on the biblical position that rape under any circumstances is a heinous crime to be punished severely and is never excusable. I want our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be glorified through my life. He deserves my best not my worst. I earnestly seek your forgiveness as I reaffirm commitment to serve our community with unwavering integrity, humility, and profound love. I deserve for folks to be extremely upset with me, but I ask you to please forgive me. So, um, 
Oh, this is interesting. Uh, KL says he doesn't know about the Hajj, where women are sexual assault, sexually assaulted every minute while they are fully covered. Actually, I'm not sure if I know what you're talking about there, but that sounds like it's something that could have very well exist. Um, so now, what's the good thing here of this letter? The good news is that there's a letter of extreme apology. Okay, that's a good thing. We want to see apologies. We want to see repentance. We want to see people own up for their sin and their maltreatment of others. But I do have a few things to say about this, not to be the ever living cynic that I tend to be. Uh, but I've been around church stuff long enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, exactly. So the letter sounds like the president of the local chapter of the ADL wrote it. It doesn't sound like he wrote it. <laughs> so let me kind of express my issue a little bit here. All the words are correct. All right, I'll admit it. Everything he said here is exactly what should be said, right? Uh, it's about the only thing you can say after such a statement. He even called it a foolish and sinful statement, which I think is actually uh, good because I actually called it sinful. Because at first it makes you wonder, right? He's like, you know, he goes, my deep regret for the statements made for the pulp. You're like, okay, regret doesn't mean you're admitting it, really. I'm only beginning to understand the hurt and offense caused. Okay, now we're talking just hurt and offense in general. Uh, so we're talking about hurt fifis, right? You're not really talking about whether or not you think it's bad. I take full responsibility for my words, okay? Not very helpful. But then he says, you know, uphold the biblical values of love and compassion. Again, not really dealing with it. Uh, but then he does say, learn to make, making, I'm only beginning to learn the pain that's been caused by this foolish and sinful statement. So he does at least, um, oh, the pilgrimage from Mecca to Mecca. Okay, okay, good to know. Um, but this is kind of like, okay, that's fine. But here's kind of my general issue. First off, how old is this guy? And he's just now realizing that that statement's wrong. How long has he been pastoring? And just this very idea that like sexual assault is maybe not on the person that uh, was deeply like it, sexual assault's not on the person who's dressed a certain way is just now like coming to his own realization. None of that really, it smells fishy. That's kind of my issue, I guess. Like, and uh, so people reached out to Nathaniel and they get, and I'm not going to read all their messages. And I'm, because I feel like I could screw up their names and accidentally expose who they are. I don't want to do that. But some people did reach out to Nathaniel and come to find out he has preached this for many years. So he, he has preached this for years and many people have actually been, uh, it sounded like from what I was reading that some people were like sexually assaulted by some people in his church, maybe question mark. Um, if uh, Nathaniel, if you're in the comments, please drop one. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's like what I was picking up on. And so there are certain people who were molested and stuff like that in the church or people that he knew that were. And so that was a big issue. But which, of course, with this mentality, uh, no one's surprised. And so uh, let's see his beliefs are. So let's see. Let me just read a part that was said here. Hold on. Scrolling up. So this is just from a former member. I'm just going to read that. I'm not going to share my screen because I don't want anyone to see any names that they're not supposed to see. Because, again, I'm not here to expose other people's business and give them a bunch of drama. But this person says, hi, I used to be a, a member of Bible Baptist Tabernacle and also a former employee. 
I do not want to comment publicly. And if you say, say or share anything, I say, please keep it anonymous. This wasn't some new thought, uh, new thought of his. He even said it himself. He has said it from the pulpit many times. He is not apologetic ever because he strongly believes what he says. He will only apologize that it offended you and hopes God will show you he is right. I have also gotten one. Uh, I have also gotten one of the "I am going to hell and bringing my children with me" cards. The news article shared about the molestation case. No, no one at the church is allowed to speak at all about it uh, and what happened. His father is deeply affected by what happened, and he made sure he confessed and accepted his punishment, which he is still in prison for. Whoever contacted you about stories from there, if they have questions, I probably have answers, but only if I can remain anonymous. People I know could be negatively treated if my name comes up. No one there is allowed to object to any of his beliefs. I am so thankful that I got out of there before I became one of the brainwashed. Oh, another thing, uh, thing people keep saying is fire him. It is his church on his property. People have asked him to retire and let others take over the preaching. He will not. His beliefs are deep rooted. He went too far trying to put his point out there. I do feel that his apology is sincere, though. I have personally witnessed his hurt from hurting the will of God. I think this was needed for him to have a reality check on his outdated beliefs. The people in his church will not go against him, and the women don't stand up to anything at all. They all disagree privately. I do believe he is deeply hurt that he caused... Uh, that he caused such hurt to our community. I've known him since I was 12. I am now over 40. This is not new. He just went further than ever. This is the reason I am not sitting there for, for services. I have deep love for them all. I will just not have faith or my faith or salvation question constantly for not fitting in the mold. And uh, who can blame this person for not wanting to attend or have that? Think about it. If this is their his view on sexual assault, can you imagine what his view of, is of salvation if you don't fit a certain mold? I mean, apparently, if you're not dressed a certain way, it gives you it gives everyone a green light to sexually assault you. Let alone if you know you might question the King James or you might not believe in just hymns, what that would do to your salvation and therefore your sta good standing within the church. So. Um, and Roddy, yeah, you're Roddy speak, Roddy, you and I think I feel like a lot alike. He goes, Will, I am generally very giving with the benefit of the doubt, but I'm 48 and I grew up around people like this. And I'd bet my last dollar this letter is because the heat got too hot, too high, not because it's his true feeling. And that was kind of my belief. I think it was kind of like a non-apology apology. It was kind of a, a PR campaign because you're not this old and still saying that kind of nonsense and believing it. Like I could see this from like maybe a 19 year old kid raised in that kind of circle, heard it his entire life, says it because that's just what they say. That's what they stand for because that's what he believes how men and women are. And then, oh, reality hits him in the face and suddenly makes an apology and kind of starts realizing after people reason with him and argue with him and yell at him and that it beats him down enough to bring some humility. But after you've been around as long as this guy has, I'm not sure if I'm buying what you're selling. Call me an ever-living cynic. I'm just... My thought process here. Now I'm going to read a 
Um, uh, well, I don't need to read it necessarily. I can just tell you about it. So apparently since this, there are has been um, protests. People have come and they've protested against the church. Uh, and uh, apparently these some of these people believe that, that he actually might be apologetic. But uh, one of the other things is that he has actually not been back to service since all this has blown up. He's not been back to service. So what he's doing is that he forgot that one of the other things as a shepherd and a pastor is that he ought to be leading his congregation, being there for them. And so what happened is that you had a bunch of protesters show up and he left them on their own. He didn't go to church. He did not go to support them. He didn't go to help any of that. He literally just left him there. Now, this causes quite a few problems for me. One, he did not go out to the protesters. And most likely, the protesters were people who were sexually assaulted at some point. Maybe the people who went to his church. And it sounds like to me there's some family history there with some assault and whatnot. But, and it, like, it says something about, I think that person said his dad's in prison um, or was in prison, I should say, or something along that nature. But I didn't go out there and try to make peace. Like, look, I'm sorry, you know, you're you're absolutely correct. I spoke out of turn. None of that really came up. He's abandoned his church in that sense, and he's left them to deal with all this on their own. So keep in mind, he's the one who made the sinful statement. He's the one who said the dramatically unbiblical statement. Yet he leaves his congregation alone to clean up his mess. That's not leadership. That's weak leadership. That is not just weak leadership, that's cowardly. It's to run away from the hell that you caused everybody else. It's to run away from your own mess and leave it to somebody else to clean up until it all, quote, blows over. And that's not okay. And there should be a public statement about why he's not even attending the church. Is he what, afraid of his for his own life? Actually, honestly, wouldn't surprise me if he was, because I feel like this could cause some serious dramatic black backlash from somebody, right? Not saying that it's okay, right? Like, I'm not too, evil, too wrong, so I'm right here. But I'm just saying, like, I could maybe see, is that what it is? That's the only thing that makes sense to me. The only reason that it makes sense to me is if he doesn't want to go there because he's afraid one of the protesters would physically assault him or harm him in some way. But he's doing the cowardly thing by staying away from his congregation. Josh Klein, you put it well. Uh, actually, hey, you texted me and he texted you back. Uh, he said he forgot about the Internet. He knew he could say it and no one would dare question him in his church or town. But then the Internet. So he needed to send out an apology. And that's exactly it. So it's funny. If you go to our Facebook page uh, or you go watch our interview with Brian Holiness uh, with Natalie there. She we talked about it uh, with her that how long do you think it's going to be that fundamentalists just implode on themselves because they keep forgetting that the Internet's a thing. They record their crazy nonsense that they spew to their little congregation. They're you know, really they're brainwashed people and they repeat that nonsense. And they always said it to their people. They always got away with it. But now they put it online because, you know, they're finally, finally getting it together and they forget that the Internet now can see everything you said, which means that people that you probably have said this nonsense to that watch, keep a tabs on the church to see what's said and preached on. 
And then when you say something, that one thing that they've been waiting for you to say, they can finally broadcast it to the world and see, see, these people, this is what they're teaching. And then apparently what a lot of the people in the congregation are doing is that they're sharing like, well, you know, basically don't hate a man for seeing him when he's at his worst. You should, you know, wait to see him until he's at his best, blah, blah, blah. But uh, frankly, that's not what First Timothy chapter 3 t- says. It gives a very strong list of what is required to be a bishop, a pastor, a shepherd, whatever you want to call it. Because a very strict like set of rules to make the qualification, to make the cut. And he violated it. Um, in fact, actually, you know what? I wasn't planning on it, but let's actually do this. Let's go there. Da, 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 da. So, uh, this ain't is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. Uh, I feel like if you're violating biblical commands to be just, I mean, what does what it literally say? Like, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. What Seek justice. Oh, no, no. Rapists, they get to be like, oh, she's wearing shorts, man. Uh, so that's not above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober minded, uh, which is really referring to drunk. But I would feel like this guy is like not sober minded in a sense here. Self-controlled. Well, Apparently not, because if that's what he truly thinks about, by the way, this kind of exposes, his, I feel like, his own thought life a little bit. When you say that a man's a man and therefore he can assault you, that means his own thought life must be that corrupt, I feel like. Like, I, I don't want to do psychoanalysis here, but there is a level to me that's like, OK, what's your thought life then? If you think that we're in shorts alone. Uh, so I feel like there's not a lot of self-control there. If nothing else, you have to learn to control your tongue. Respectable. He's not. Hospitable. Not able to teach. Um, I don't know. That doesn't seem like he was able to teach. It doesn't seem like he was very competent in that area. Uh, not not just his speaking, even though his speaking didn't seem like it was very capable it's <laughs> either. But he's not able to teach the things of the faith. Not a drunkard. He probably doesn't drink. I can very much assume that. Uh, not violent, but gentle. Well, it's not a very gentle thing to suggest that rapists should get off of being like sentenced okay uh with all dignity keeping his children submissive for if someone does not know how to manage his own household how will he care for god's church he must be not a re- be a recent convert he may be unless he becomes puffed up and this right here is someone who is puffed up right because he's like i'm right there's a lot of arrogance there and this is and it's funny because like this sort of teaching that we need is it though because it's not really that much heavy of preaching but anyway so that's that. Uh, that's a, that story. Um, but this is what I wanted to kind of hammer home for a minute. And this is what that one comment reminded me of. What the biggest crime uh, against not just with sexual assault and really any of these sorts of things that harms another human being is the affront. It is the image of God. It's. And it's an offense, an affront to the image-bearing nature that we have from the to the Imago Dei. We are made to reflect his image. We're made to be loving toward one another. Like, I'm not supposed to look at a woman like a piece of sexual gratification, no matter what she's wearing, because she's made in the image of God. And I am only to look desirably upon my wife. And to have that thought to get to another woman is sinful 
because it's also a violation of her body. It's a violation also of your body. That's why Paul says, when it re in regards to sexual immorality, do you not know your body is the temple of God? Because all this comes down to the sacred space of your body. Your body is a sacred space. Keep in mind, in Eden, God walked with mankind. He was in their presence. He dwelled among them. And then he calls out Abraham with Israel and he dwells among his people in the tabernacle. And then Jerusalem happens and he builds this temple and he dwells among them. Then Christ comes and he dwells with man as a man. And then he sends his Holy Spirit to his believers and makes a new place where heaven meets earth in the person of humanity themselves. The presence of God in us, the Imago Dei, completely brought to full restoration the way God had intended it, which is where God meets with man and dwells with man and dwells within man and restores man and becomes a new place where heaven meets earth. Well, if that's the case, then to do this is to completely violate that entire thing. It's to actually commit an abomination to the holy space of God. So it's not something that can just be completely dismissed as like, well, that's what she was wearing. No, even if she was wearing nothing does not give me an excuse to lust. It doesn't give me an excuse to assault. In fact, I should probably go to this person and go, hey, here's my jacket. You need a covering and show her a more excellent way. Uh... Roddy says, right, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll have enough respect for a woman not to lust after her because we're not supposed to treat each other like objects. We're supposed to treat each other like fellow neighbors, image bearers. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. So question uh, by Jarrett and Alyssa. Do you think women should dress modestly and not wear short shorts in public? That is a great question. So, and there, so there is, it's one of those things where it's like, when people say stupid, crazy stuff, there's always like truth adjacent, <laughs> and which comes with a thousand caveats. So I think women should dress modestly, but they, but a man or a woman who's ever doing the lusting is fully responsible for their own lust of their own mind and their own hearts. But I do think, so the Bible, when it talks about modestly, it's really talking about like attention seeking, like, you know, uh, having a modest budget, you know, or I live in a modest home. Like I'm not trying to like gather everyone's attention with all sorts of fountains and lasers in my backyard. Be cool, but... <laughs> So if I dress immodestly, I'm also dressing for personal attention. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm trying to gather attention to show off my body in some way, shape or form. Uh, I do think that, though, there is this other side of having responsibility for yourself and loving your brother or sister enough to not put yourself out there a certain way and not present yourself a certain way as much as possible. So now the Bible doesn't give like strict guidelines per se, but there are things that we could consider. Like, and this is always makes a, is a good example. If I walk through a high crime area that let's say is known for violent robberies and, and murders and stuff along that nature, and I had $5 million in cash and I walked along the sidewalk with that $5 million in cash in a clear bag. 
Now, what's probably going to happen to me? Well, I'm probably going to get mugged. If not, I'm taking a really big risk. Okay. Uh, and now, does that mean some responsibility might be on myself? Yeah, because I just did something that probably wasn't very bright. Right. I went and did something foolish, maybe not immoral, but foolish. Right. Well, okay. The person still commits the crime by maybe mugging me, maybe killing me, leaving me in the alley. And they're the ones who really committed the crime. But also, there's a level of personal responsibility in that story, right? And so it's not saying that they're excused. It's saying that they're still guilty of the crime. But I have to take responsibility for doing something naive, right? It's really a naivety. Naivety is the number one way you can get taken advantage of and hurt in life. Like, I swear to goodness, that's people call me cynical. Like, I was told by one person at the uh, one church I pastored, uh, Will, I think sometimes you're the most cynical man I know. And I was like, <laughs> some people mean that as an insult. I'm like, well, I'd rather be cynical than naive because naivety opens the door for people to be hurt and taken advantage of in, in a way like no one has ever seen before. So... With that said, women and men, too, should take responsibility for dressing in a way that doesn't put themselves out there, not because I don't, by the way, if you look at statistics and stuff, there's no indication that a, whim, a woman's dress increases the likelihood of rape. So that's not the problem here. Okay. So the, but really that is, so in this sense, I should be presenting myself in a way that puts me in a better position to not make people lust after me. No, granted, if I am covered up and like, I'm, you know, dressed, like I'm wearing a hoodie right now, like no one's going to, and if someone's still less at me for to be dressed modestly, okay, well, I've literally done everything I can for my brother or sister to make sure that that does not happen. Uh, but if I also put all myself out there, I also have to take some amount of responsibility for doing something foolish, right? So there is never, um, thanks, Warren. Warren says, I never wear yoga pants in public. I appreciate you doing that, sir, for, for the good of humanity. Um, so, so let's see, what did uh, Josh Klein say? Yes, women should dress modestly. No, immodesty is not a license to sin against her. Bingo. And then uh, Roddy said, amen. I get accused of cynicism too. Uh, so, um, Jarrett says, do you think a pastor should preach to the women in their congregation that they should dress respectfully and appropriately and not in revealing clothes? I am not on this uh, guy's side, by the way. No, no, no. I didn't think you were, Jerry. You're good. You're good. I don't think anyone really is. I think very few dinosaurs would actually be on this guy's side. Um, I think it's a perfectly okay for a pastor to address modesty. I think it's perfectly okay for a pastor or a ministry director to deal with that because like it now granted if they're not somebody who I've, you have a working relationship with you know if some lady shows up never what been i have no relationship with her whatsoever am i going to be preaching to her no i'm probably not uh but i think sometimes if it's out of it's out of control or something that should be addressed the pastor can usually when it comes to modesty discussions i deal with it one-on-one -on -one. Like, hey, man, you know, I noticed you're kind of wearing XYZ tonight. Probably wasn't the best choice, you know, and just but make sure that they know that you're not like coming down on them, uh, because here's the other thing. Some people, they don't realize it. Like what I've noticed with a lot of like young ladies, for example, they're not guys and they don't understand even what guys are half the time attracted to, like what draws their eyes. Like most girls just think like, hey, this looks cute on me. This looks pretty. And they don't really think about 
the other implications. Some do, right? Yeah, you're only fan girls that seem to they got it figured out. But honestly, I know a lot of girls that's less naivety. They have no idea. They have no idea that that's what they're doing. I know young men that are the same way where there's things where I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what are you wearing that for? Like, do you do you, do you know what do you know what this looks like on this side of <laughs> of the conversation? So um as Jordan says, prudence exactly amen. So we really should have a certain amount like it's not to say that women can be like shouldn't try to be modest nor that says that men should be shouldn't be modest. Of course, we should be modest. Bible commands us to be modest. Now, granted, does it give us an exact dress code? No, which would be convenient. But it does tell us that we ought to be modest and therefore we should at least be mindful, right? I'm not going to sit there and tell you like, all right, you know, two inches from your neck, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to say, hey, look at your body for a minute. How are you presenting yourself? Are you presenting yourself for attention? Okay, great. Are there certain parts of your body that are exposed that really shouldn't be exposed and no one else should really see? Yes or no? No? Okay, great. If yes, maybe maybe consider changing. Is it on the fence? Okay, well, then there's some Christian liberty there. I just say if you're on the fence, maybe just don't. Right. Like I probably just avoid it. Um, and uh, yeah. And Prudence uh, McFrugal says some girls are naive, some want attention, but only from but only from the good looking guys. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, the IFB are like uh, Sharia, the Sharia police or Sharia, like Sharia law. Uh, checking hair and skirt length, etc. And this is actually so I do want to talk about that too, because there's also a problem. Because of this reason, right here, what Roddy's talking about. This whole thing where they're checking skirt lengths, the snugness of your shirt, it hypersexualizes because it becomes such a focus, modesty, exactly the way it's fitting. Do you know what that means? Well, if I'm checking dress code, that means I'm looking intently at these various parts of women's bodies because I got to make sure they're in dress code. I saw this happen at Bible college all the time. And then eventually there are so many times where, you know, you know what's funny too? It's always like the attractive girls or the bustier girls or the curvier girls, you know, thick with two C's and a Q that were always pulled into the office, no matter what they wore. They were always pulled in the office until they're immodest. When really was that they're just attractive. They're they're pretty girls, but because people were looking at them, sexualizing them, they got pulled and called immodest. When really somebody else's like perception of them that got them accused of such. So there's a lot of issue there. Um, and no, I don't. So, uh, yes. So Jarrett asked the, the question, do you think exposed thighs as nakedness? And now I know exactly where you're going to quote. Uh, it says, I, I, Exodus 28:42 says, thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins, even unto the thighs they shall reach. No, I don't think that thighs equals nakedness because it says the nakedness of that. So like right now you see the nakedness of my hand. Now you see the nakedness of my elbow to my hand. That doesn't suddenly mean that my leg is now like the nakedness of my what is it? What do you say? How do they put it? The linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins, even unto the, the thighs that shall be reached. So, yeah, scandalous. Yeah, right. Ooh. Um, but. It's just referring to like the general nakedness of revealing the um skin it was actually kind of funny with uh old testament times that they were actually even though they covered up more they were also less 
like prudy regarding like body parts, sexuality, like if that's why the oh, the Bible, I find it funny that Christians are really weird about sex because the Bible's full of it and it talks very openly about it throughout. So, um, <laughs> we got to have you back on, man, especially after Bellgate and bro flaunting them wrists. Repent. <laughs> so uh, I'm sorry, is that a stumbling block to you, my friend? Uh, so. <laughs> Oh, man, it's just this is honestly, though, like all my derision and like uh, jokes aside, honestly, this sort of video makes me sad. Like it actually does bother me, like in a way where I'm just like because I just think of the damage that it causes young men of how they view sexuality in his church, the damage it causes the young women in the church, because I've seen this personally. I've seen people have a such come out of these groups with such a skewed version of sexuality. Well, I was raised in a similar vein. And I remember I had to like work through a lot of things too mentally, just like um, learning how to like properly interact with the girls. Right. And like what, what not to like realizing like, Oh my gosh, these standards, these dress codes, these things actually like, like actually cause more problems. So and then I, that's why I started realizing the patterns and come to find out I wasn't the first one to notice those. But um, yeah, it makes me sad. And then also makes me sad because it, it makes the kingdom look ridiculous. It makes Christians look bad in his feats of progressive narrative. So which also makes me sad and very frustrated. Um, Jarrett says, isn't nakedness often coupled with shame in the Bible? Uh, not always. Nakedness also can mean vulnerability. Um, but right there, I think he's, he's talking very generally, right? Like, yeah, right here, you know, to cover the nakedness of their loins all the way to their thighs, just the nakedness of the skin, like just the general nakedness of skin, like my forehead has, has nakedness. I don't think I don't think you can make that argument now. Granted, now, remember what I said before, when in doubt, just maybe go with it. So maybe you do think showing your thighs is uh, is immodest. Fine. I, I have no problem with people keeping their thighs covered. Um, in fact, I would almost like I personally try not to wear shorts that go like if it shows my kneecaps, I'll only wear shorts to my kneecaps, usually tops like they'll go above them. And that's just if I'm running. But otherwise, like I don't get I will not get higher shorts. Like I know they have different athletic shorts for men. I won't. My swim trunks are always very loose. And it's just for that purpose. I'm like, I don't need people looking at seeing things that they don't need to see. It's not all right because, you know, it gets a little scandalous. Otherwise, if you're not careful, sorry, I just wanted to put Prudence McFrugal's uh, comment up on the screen. But um, as Warren says it excuses the lust in men, victimizes women, creates fear. And when something is prohibited, it becomes even more tempting. Not good. Exactly. It just keeps dangling the forbidden fruit. And then you just keep hammering on it. They go, why do people keep thinking about it? It's like, because you keep, you're doing this. That's what you're doing. As opposed to just going, hey, have self-control, look at each other. I honestly think that the Imago Dei is one of the most neglected doctrines in the church. And because it's one of the most neglected doctrines of the church, we have the worst situations that happen where we sin against one another because we haven't really taught about that and how, re how it's a reflection of God's glory in our vocation and our stewardship. And it's just, it's like, I have a theological view of my anthropology. Um, and I don't want to look at things uh, like, you know, people talk about anthropomorphism with God, like where they look at, we look at anthrop anthropomorphically, anthropomorphically, but I, I want us to look at ourselves like theopomorphically, 
Like I want us to think of us in a God-shaped way. And if we do that properly, we'll have a proper respect for one another and you'll probably see a lot of this stuff go away. So the way to combat sexual sin and lust is to put our focus on Jesus Christ. Exactly. And it's not to keep focusing on each other's bodies because guess what? If you're sexually tempted by people's bodies and you keep focusing on people's bodies, you're just going to keep being tempted to look at people's bodies and keep objectifying people's bodies and fall into more sexual temptation because of other bodies. It's not good stuff. It's not good stuff. So, um, anyway, uh, Let's see. Jared says, and when Moses saw that the people were naked for Aaron had made them naked unto their unto their shame among their enemies. Yep. So this would be a different kind of naked, I would say. I would say I think one of them was talking about the nakedness of this thigh to the because of naked nakedness of right. Not saying like their thigh and loins is nakedness. I think the Bible um, and if uh, and if it's been a while since I've looked at it, looked into it, but like historically like in the time like basically like your genitalia was considered like the most nakedness um but yeah like i said i'm even cool like if someone wants to say like showing your thigh is a no-go for me fine i just don't see i see that verse used that way but i it seems to be saying the nakedness of which would be like the, you know again the nakedness of my arm the nakedness of my face whatever so um so we need to be disciplining those younger than us and helping them learn how to discipline themselves, help them learn self-control. That's exactly my point here as well, Roddy. Um, so it is, and like I'm a student director, I work with middle school and high school, and I can't tell you how many times I, I'm continually having this conversation with young men. Like you need to treat, like not be looking at her this way. You need it. You know, and that's a conversation you just have with teenagers in general. Like, hey, look, man, that, that that's not an object to be used. That's a person, that's a human being. Love them and care for them properly um, and have that self-control. And then you can have a good relationship if you do it right. Stephen Ray, hey, what's up, man? We still got to do that phone call again here soon. He said, we should always be careful about calling something sin that God doesn't. We are not greater than God. Exactly. So... Um, yeah, and Josh Klein says that the text that uh, was in discussion here about nakedness of the thigh says, just FYI, that proof text is about prescripting certain dress for priests, setting up the expectations for the priesthood in Israel's beginning as a solidified chosen nation. Yeah, I forgot to bring that up. Thanks, Josh. Um, I remember that's like when I studied that whole thing because I was raised in this kind of group. And I just was like, and I remember I came up like, they us talk about the pre, they started talking about the general congregation. I don't get it. So, um, and uh, we're, what we're really seeing here, uh, and so, uh, and on the flip side of this, is we do see a, a disrespect of the image bearing of God as well, and just the way pe people are presenting and dressing themselves. I've recently deleted t uh, Instagram for this very purpose because I even saw like various Christian accounts posting nearly pornographic uh, content, and it would be like you know some sort of like clickbaity like what, you know porn star repents for blah blah blah, and it's like it shows a picture of her like in lingerie or whatever, and it was like Christian accounts. A couple of them I posted like shared it, like they posted it. And then, like, I just be like, I followed one that was about like log cabins, right? Like, an account for log cabins when you're dead scrolling in bed, waiting for to go to bed. And, like, boom, suddenly there was like a nearly pornographic thing there. And all I saw was like, I'm like, I, and I finally just deleted Instagram. Was, I'm so over it. And I am so, but when I did that, 
it was also it made me sad because all I'm seeing is like I'm like these are young women who are taught by the world that this is how you get attention, that this is where your value lies, that your beauty and your value is in your body and keeping this perfect feminine figure, which is why you'll even hear young women be like, well, I don't want babies because then, you know, it changes your body and then you're not, you know, I'm not going to be skinny. I'll be fatter or whatever. I'll have stretch marks. And like, that's where they've placed their value. And then we tell them that, well, no, no, this is actually sexually freeing. This is liberation, don't you know? We fought for this. So present yourself, be a strong woman. Then what does that do? Well, I present myself now as an object because I'm a strong woman and this is where my value's in. Well, you present yourself as an object and now you have a bunch of young men who look at you as an object and then you wonder why you keep getting objectified. Then we wonder why young men don't wanna to commit to women because all they're doing is pursuing instant sexual gratification. And as opposed to the women respecting their bodies, these young ladies respecting their bodies as he said with uh, TikTok, these young women that respect their bodies and young men being proper leaders as they should be, proper men who respect women, um, look at them instead as things to be used. And then men nowadays don't want to get married at all and they blame women for it all. And there's just, it's a big mess because everyone's got such a skewed view of sexuality. Men look at them as something instantly to be gratified on and these young ladies are putting their value in how they're viewed in their bodies. So on the, like, truth adjacent there is that and that's a problem but the answer isn't to say well women if you're sexually assaulted he should go free that's not the answer the answer is you're both created the image of god and you're valuable to the lord and he made your body to be something that reflects his temple that reflects his will for mankind that is the very thing like your your sexual difference is the very thing that testifies to the lord's creation even all the way to the point of childbearing your child to birth life to give life as god is the god of life that is like you look at it as everything in our bodies reflects god's will and you are so don't mar that don't offend that in fact revel in the way that god created you and respect the way god created you respect the sexuality that he set up one man with one woman and you'll see all the stats don't lie People wait till marriage and have a single sexual partner, have a way higher sexual gratification, high, less divorce rates, all those different things. So huh, that was a whole tangent. But the point is, is that we have we have twisted sexuality in the church to the point where this is the sort of th upbringing that a lot of people received and it's messed things up. Then they pendulum swing to the world has also things that are sexually messed up. And really we need to have a proper theology of our bodies, of who we are. And that's all there is to it. And this sort of thing is heinous, it's evil, it's sinful, it's disgusting, and it's wrong. And frankly, this pastor should resign immediately. Apparently though, the church is on his own property. But he ought to resign. He's unfit for office. And he's been doing this for a while. He needs to just retire. Because what he did right here is not of good repute. And there's no coming back from this within that church, at least without some serious time away from the pulpit and some serious time for repentance and consideration of self before he gets reinstated into a pulpit. But he really should resign. The church should demand that he resigns, and he definitely should not be leaving his congregation alone and taking the coward's way out by avoiding his church and avoiding the very consequences of his actions with the backlash that he is receiving. 
You can always tell a good leader, by the way, when they're the first ones to own it, step up and lead even people through the hardship that they cause. Like, hey, I, I know I screwed this up, but I will make this right. That's how you can tell a good leader, not a leader who walks away and hides behind multiple walls in his own congregation to just avoid the backlash. That's not OK. So anyway, um, the uh, the church and the pastor was Temple Baptist Bobby Bobby Leonard. What's his name? And uh, temp, bat, it was like Baptist Bible Tabernacle or something like that in Monroe, North Carolina. You can look it up and you can find it. It's pretty easy to find. Um, so I'm going to end on jo Josh Klein. Mate. I'm just going to end it here with what he says. He says, amen. Raise kids to respect the Imago Dei of themselves and others. And modesty comes with it. Start with a fear of sin rather than a desire to glorify God. And you're guaranteed to stumble into sin. Exactly. And that's kind of, it kind of goes into the whole like the whole fear based system instead of like, well, be fearful of sin. No. How about I want to honor the Lord who loves me? Well, turn or burn, baby. You know, become a Christian so you don't burn in hell. No. How about this? Experience the new creation and experience restoration. Maybe that's where we should place the emphasis. So um, anyway, with that said, uh, guys, this has been fun. Um, Kind of is a terrible topic, but I do enjoy interacting with a lot of you guys. Um, a lot of great feedback from from y'all. But let me know your thoughts in the comments below on this whole mess. I, it's very sad. I think we do need to pray for the people at this church because their shepherd, their own shepherd, their own pastor put them in a really bad spot. They're do, fighting the battle on their own. And most of them are probably been in this group, this circle for so long they don't know which way is up which way is down they're probably deceived a lot there's probably a lot of deconstructing or reconstructing that needs to happen in their faith so let's keep praying for them pray for the church and also honestly pray for bobby leonard that he actually is truly repentant because the letter was good but my but i just i'm not sure if i can buy it I, it feels like it's an apology for apology's sake just to deal with the pr campaign i don't know Pray for the church, pray for the people, pray for any victims. It sounds like there's a lot of victims that came from this church or were connected to it. Pray for a lot of the people, man. They need it. So, uh, yeah, guys, this has been the church split. And when we talk about church splitting topics and wanting to bring unity, is the sort of thing we're talking about. Expose sin, address sin, say what needs to be done about sin, call it for what it is, and desire unity, most of all, through truth and God's glory and his righteousness. And this that sort of statement will definitely split churches. So anyway, guys, I hope you all are doing well. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. So take care and God bless. Oh, wait, where'd it go? Ah, there it is. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. And guys, if you want to avoid seeing obnoxious ads like this, we gotta be strong, we gotta be healthy. When you wanna feel nice and strong and satisfied, you gotta check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com, use promo code Knowles. Or that. We also wanna thank Free Life Soap, because I don't know about y'all, yes. but I got a new shipment of soap yes, in. I did. Yes, I Yes, sir. And it was great. Or this. Hi guys, my name is Will, and I'm here to tell you why you should be a student at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. Or that. To get to that momentarily first, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Are you aware that your browsing data is constantly being tracked and monitored? Please support us on Patreon. We do not want 
to annoy you filthy heretics with any sort of ads on this show. So when you're a Patreon subscriber, you also get access to our apologetics classes and other video content a whole month. You can support us on Patreon for as low as $1 a month.